so how are we doing today everybody doing great that was amazing worship thank you worship team for that um so today if we could pull up my powerpoint i don't know what i need to do to make it happen it'll happen wait wait patiently okay so um anyway so did we are, are our toes bleeding from last week who was here last week that heard okay Wonderful. You little bleeding toes a little bit. Trust me, I was stepping on my own toes as well. And um, so, but that's good. It's part of discipline and it's part of growing in the Lord and it's a good thing. So um, first thing that I want to say, there you go, for all of those who are freaking out on me from last week. Anyway, I misspelled throne on my PowerPoint. Everybody was twitching. It took them a whole week of twitching. They couldn't handle it. It was spelled wrong. And I repent in the name of Jesus to all of you for my misspelled word. Okay, there we go. All right, we're done. Um, I know you guys do. It was amazing. Okay, so let me... um, We're going to do a little bit of review, but let me start with this. I had another interesting encounter, and I'm not kidding you guys. I can't make this stuff up. I I run into people, and God shows me things, and it's just just amazing. And um, so my most recent encounter was I had taken my mom to a doctor's office, doctor's appointment. I think it was like a Wednesday or Tuesday, and I was sitting in the doctor's office, and um, I was working on my PowerPoint, making sure I didn't misspell any words, and um, I had my... um, my Bible with me, and I was reading and flipping through my Bible, and there was a man that came in, and he, um, he was a very friendly man, and, um, you know, he had this really cool ponytail and some really great tattoo art on him, and, you know, which is nothing wrong with that. My husband has that all over, but um, so anyway, I'm just giving you a, a, a visual picture of what was happening. So anyway, so he comes in, and he just starts having this conversation with me, and he says, uh, so is that, is that a Bible? And I said, yeah, it is. And he says, yep, not, not very many pages are that thin, you know. He's just having some small talk with me. He's complaining about how he owes this bill. And, you know, he's just, he's just like, talking. And, um, and then he says, um, so what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm just preparing for um, a message that I'm teaching on Sunday. And he says, oh, what do you do there? Are you a preacher? You know, I'm like, no, I just sometimes I get the privilege to speak when God shows me some things. And, and so this is where, this is how I know that this encounter was from the Lord. And hold on, I, ha- I have to back up because, um, real f- pause, okay. So this is how I know this is from God too. It's, okay, so I was, I was doing my notes on Word and then I was copy and pasting things onto PowerPoint. So I was going back and forth. I was also being very careful in Word to pay attention to my Word count because, um, because last week we went a little long and I wanted to make sure we didn't go long this week, you know, all that stuff. And so I was trying to be very careful of, and very, a good stewardship of time. And so I'm looking at my word count so I know how many words to speak, you know, all that. So anyway, so my cursor is on the word Baal, which we're going to talk about today, who was the, who was the um, false god that, that Jezebel worshipped, was on Baal. And I kid you not, when I looked at my word count, it said word 666 of 1,000 blah, blah, blah words. And I was like whoa, and then this guy enters, okay, so that set the stage, okay, so he starts having this conversation with me, and, and he's talking about the Bible, and he says, he says, oh, I've read the Bible, I was like, awesome, that's great, you know, and he says, um, think about how he phrased it, he said, he says, you and I both know that the Bible contradicts itself, don't we, and I'm thinking, there's a balance, yes, but I didn't say anything because I knew I had come in contact with someone who really did operate in full-blown Jezebel spirit, and, um, and then he says, well, you know that there's this in it, but then there's that, and then there's these things, and then there's that, and he begins to, and he's very friendly, but he very much, um, in the way that he spoke with me, it was very much, um, you know, that manipulative conversation of you and I both know that this is the truth. And I'm like, well, actually, I can think for myself, and I don't know that, you know. And, um, but it was a, it was, my eyes were opened, but what I could see, because um, the Lord has given me the ability to see, what I could see is that he was a man that was really hurting, and that he probably uh, very much had 
um, some very maybe negative experiences with his father. And we know that about Jezebel, and we're going to talk more about that later. Um, and, and he was hurting, and he was searching for answers, but he wasn't finding them because of the encounters that maybe he had had in his life. And so it caused him to, to bring on some control um, behaviors um, that, that look like manipulation. And so anyway, but, but when I left that situation, I was like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to get from that? And the biggest thing that the Lord wanted to, me to receive from that is that the Jezebel spirit really wants you to doubt the word. Very much wants you to think that the word is outdated, that it's not for today, that um, there's something, you know, contradictory about it. Whatever it is, it wants to plant the seed of doubt, just like the serpent did with Eve in the garden that said, did God really say? Did God really say? That's the question that Jezebel wants to kind of infiltrate into your mind, to make it like a, I don't know, like, like, what do you call that? Sand in your clam. Whatever that is, you know, to, to just irritate you. Did God really say? So anyway, so with that, I just want to say, if you're a brand new Christian, we're going to talk about some pretty, um, or if you're new to our church, we're going to talk about um, some spiritual warfare, and we're going to um, just touch on some things that may be, like, really new to you, and that's okay. Just absorb what's happening, and, um, and just go from there. So, The, um, we talked about last week what Jezebel is, and Jezebel is a spirit. Jezebel was also a person. You can read about her in 1 Kings. There's an Old Testament Jezebel and a New Testament Jezebel. You can find her in Revelation as well. But there is a spirit of Jezebel that operates today in the church that tries to counterfeit the Holy Spirit, that tries to take everything that is of God and just twist it just enough to... Um, to really sabotage us. So Jezebel really wants to come after everyone, really, for real. It's, no one is, is um, exempt from the, uh, the attack of the enemy, really, and Jezebel is one of the highest-ranking demons. And Jezebel is a rank. Go listen to the podcast from last week because there's a lot of that if you're questioning um, the, I don't know, the logistics of it, I guess, look at last week. So Jezebel wants to sabotage the anointed of God. When she was on earth, she killed hundreds of prophets of God. Her whole purpose is to sabotage you and make your life complete chaos. She wants to create chaos in your mind and in your relationships. She wants to take you out. And then, because we talked about this last week, that there is a measure of, you know, all of us struggle with a little bit of control right? We all have some control issues. We all have maybe use a little bit of manipulation. We don't know that we're doing it, but we do. And that's a mingling with it. Now, eventually, what Jezebel wants you to do is she wants you to partner um, so that you can help in the pursuit of destroying others. And that's when you become super dangerous, okay? And we don't want that because um, there's, a, there's kind of a, a script written or a plan or a scheme that wants you to encounter... Um, just destroyed relationship after destroyed relationship or chaotic event after chaotic event that causes you to, be, to feel so unprotected that you will partner with anything to build up that wall and bring that protection to keep you safe. So i got to get back behind the speaker. Okay. Oh. So if you are... Um, you know, some of us are very introspective. I'm a very introspective person. I can look inside myself. I know my flaws. I know what's wrong. You know, and, and I mean, sometimes I'm kind of deceived. But, um, but there, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that is not my issue. <laughs> and my husband's like, yeah, it's totally your issue. But, um, so, but some of us have a hard time being that way, kind of introspective. And that's okay. So let me give you a list of signs that this might be operating in your life. Um, if you're having trouble with some of the other descriptions that I have. So one of the things is your life is chaos. There's just chaos everywhere. Or at least it feels chaotic in your mind. Another would be depression. You have no peace, joy, or confidence. Um, suicidal or sexually impure thoughts. 
is another way. Because remember how I said that Jezebel wants to take you out? You don't have to have all these signs. I'm just saying that this is, these are some of the signs. Um, and remember my story about my suicidal thoughts last week. So the other sign of Jezebel is a strange or prolonged sickness. It's just peculiar why there's just this weird, strange sickness. Do you remember last week I told you that I suffered from headaches, really severe headaches? To the, I, if I probably would have gotten them diagnosed, they would have been called migraines. And, um, and, but the Lord healed me from them, and I haven't had one since uh, April 30th, except the one time when I opened the door to bitterness. And so anyway, <laughs> but... Um, so anyway, so strange or prolonged sickness that, the, that you just can't figure out why it's there. Um, another one is bizarre and tragic accidents. If there just seems to be calamity that chases you, there is a spirit behind that. You know, like your toilet breaks and then your washer breaks and then this breaks and then that breaks and then something else happens and you get into a wreck. And then, do you see what I'm saying? Like just weird, strange events that happen. So... What, what does it look like in my life? So if there is a Jezebel spirit that is trying to influence you, um, most likely there is, ins- can you guys see that? Sorry, it's small. I probably should have made two slides. But um, there is insecurity and rejection at the root of Jezebel. Remember how she was um, a Phoenician princess and she was married off to Ahab and she didn't want to marry Ahab it was a political alliance and so she was trapped in a marriage that she didn't want to be in she didn't want to go there her dad just kind of sold her off because it was for the best of the kingdom and so she felt rejected by her father and so a lot of insecurity and rejection follows people who um, end up partnering with this control manipulation and punishment is another um, manifestation now, we, and again, I said we all struggle a little bit with control. We all struggle a little bit with manipulation. We all sometimes punish instead of discipline. Punishment is like, I need you to pay. You know what I'm saying? Right, you, you're going to pay for what you did to me. That's punishment, whereas discipline is just, hey, I need, we need to talk. This isn't okay. And so, um, like I said, there's a mingling of it. So Jezebel is also defensive, judgmental. You know, you always got to protect yourself with some sort of defense. Can be, um, is very prideful. She's, she's very genius. <laughs> Unwilling to learn and struggles with authority. And this can be a struggle with authority, um, even just uh, unwilling to be corrected. But not because you don't want to be corrected, but because I should have done it right the first time. I can't stand to be corrected because I wish I would have done it right the first time. Even that is a manifestation of it. So the other manifestation is feeling trapped. We're going to probably talk more about this later, but um, trapped is like trapped in a marriage, trapped in, like that's was Jezebel. She was trapped in a marriage, trapped in a ministry position, trapped in a job you can't stand, trapped in a house that you hate, trapped in... Whatever it is, I feel stuck, I feel trapped. And then once you're trapped is when bitterness comes in because you're mad about the situation. And then you begin to blame. And then the the longer that you stay trapped and the longer that you feel bitter, the more that you begin to partner with those controlling behaviors. Um, Unforgiveness, bitterness, and vengeance. And then legalism. Jezebel was a very religious individual. She served her God with great zeal. So, um, oh, whoops, hold on. So you will definitely find her inside the church for sure. Um, so Ahab, so don't forget about Ahab. Jezebel is the spirit behind Ahab, but um, some of us actually probably, I actually found more symptoms of Ahab in my life than I did Jezebel. Now, back in the day before Jesus, I definitely had all those things, and I did struggle with some, but I think I probably related more to Ahab. Um, but Jezebel is the spirit behind Ahab. So Ahab has fear that causes retreat. It's that I can't confront, I won't call out what's wrong, I won't correct you, I won't say, hey, what you're doing is hurting me. It's just fear that causes retreat. Um, Isolation. Um, We saw that when Ahab couldn't get his vineyard and he cried like a big baby and went to his bed and just like wouldn't eat and wouldn't do anything. Um, 
Ahab had great potential but lacks follow-through. Have you guys ever heard that, like a teacher's report? Great potential, lack follow-through. Because Ahab was actually, um, honestly, he conquered the second highest amount of land for Israel. Solomon conquered number one, and Ahab was actually number two. So he was a capable individual. Um, but he was just incredibly passive. And when Jezebel came along, he was very evil, but he conquered a lot of land. But when Jezebel came along, he was like, eh, go ahead, do whatever you need to do in my kingdom. I don't really care. So um, peace, no matter what the cost is. That's another Ahab. Um, I will avoid you. I will not confront you. I will do whatever it takes to make you happy in order for there to be peace. And that, um, yeah. I think that happens in leadership a lot, just, or in parenting, you know, I don't, (laughs) I'm not going to call you on that, because I know that, that there's going to be a major fit, I'm just going to let it go, you know, because I don't want to deal with whatever fit that's going to happen, apathy, being apathetic, I don't care one way or another about it, Eh, it's just whatever, entitlement, powerlessness, and self-pity, that is definitely a struggle, um, Lawlessness, Uh, Jezebel was legalistic, Ahab was lawless. And then another trait of Ahab would be burying your head in the sand. I'm just not going to look at that. I'm not going to think about that. We'll just think about it later. You know, it's like, (laughs) who's the woman from Scarlett O'Hara? I can't think about it now. I'll think about that tomorrow. Yes. (laughs) Totally Ahab. Okay. Um, so the areas that this affects, okay, so, um, and I did Google that I used the right effects. Okay, so, um, effect, effect, I made sure. Okay, so anyway, um, who went home and pointed their finger at their spouse and said, you Jezebel, (laughs) Shelly said so, and... Okay, so I'm super, super sorry because I totally meant to have this little, like, section where I said, hey, look at yourself this week and don't point fingers at the other one. So, um, yes, I've been there, done that, for sure. Uh, (laughs) So it affects your parenting. Uh, Usually, you know, in 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 a parenting relationship, Right? We have an overcorrector and an undercorrector. Right? You've got one that overparents and one that underparents. You've got, uh, and really, it's like this rubber band tension because the overcorrector overcorrects because the other one's not doing nothing and you feel like you have to overcompensate. Well, news for you, overcorrectors, the undercorrector is undercorrecting because you're overcorrecting and they need to make up for you. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So there's this tension happening. Of, and so then you've got this Jezebel Ahab thing going on in your parenting. You've got one who's Jezebeling the children. Rah, 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 rah. Punishment, punishment, punishment. Constantly, you know, sowing the seeds of, of shame. You know, parenting with shame that, that bleh, you know. And then the other one who's like, oh, honey, it's okay. Come here. It's fine. We just won't even look at that thing that you're doing that I should probably correct, but I'm not going to because if so-and-so walks in and finds out, then it's going to be bad, right? Nobody does that, right? No. Okay, so who's the Ahab of the parenting? That was me. Who's the Jezebel of the parenting? Yeah. Like, there's no hands up. Nobody's saying anything. Come on. Be honest. (laughs) Come on. Okay, so everybody's like, nope, nope, don't have it, don't have it. Mm -mm. Nope. Okay, so your finances, and I, I'm just going to briefly touch on this because I included, I included it in the prayer. Mammon, okay, so here's the deal. Jezebel wants to take you out, and she will use whatever means necessary in order to take you out. So if she can keep your finances in chaos, then you will be in chaos, and then you won't be able to further the kingdom in whatever you're doing. So if your finances are currently in chaos, you might want to check to see if there's a Jezebel spirit behind it. So Jezebel, remember how I said that she's a rank, and she's up here in rank? So Mammon, okay, in Matthew 6.24, Jesus talks about how you can't serve 
God and money. Well, in the King James Version, God and money, money is mammon. So there is a spirit for that. So um, anyway, so Jezebel's up here, and then there's the, all these other little things that are down here. Um, mammon, Leviathan, Python, and then um, control and manipulation are all down here, but Jezebel's up here. So probably right now when we're talking about this area, it's probably a good idea for me to touch on Leviathan and Python as well super fast before we move on. So um, Leviathan, we talked about last week, is the twisting spirit. It's the one where you're in communication with someone, your spouse or someone, and you say something and they hear something completely different. And it's twisted. And you, it happens with parenting. It happens in any relationship if, Python, or if, if Leviathan has his way. Okay? So it's like you're having a conversation and, you know, Chad says something to me like, Hey, Shelly, I really, you know, man, those shoes are, are pretty cool, you know? And um, I would hear something like, Oh, so you didn't like my shoes last week? You know what I'm saying? It's that <laughs> twist, okay? And um, that was a poor example, but you get what I'm saying. Okay, so um, Python is a spirit that also affects relationships because Python likes to mimic the Holy Spirit and bring comfort in another way other than the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And um, Python is also oftentimes very much associated with shame because Python likes to wrap around you. Do you guys remember the um, teaching that I talked about um, way back when about shame and how it wraps around you and squeezes you out? So if you ever feel like you don't have a voice, if you're ever in a confrontation and all of a sudden you're, I'm closed up, I can't talk, I, can't, I don't know what to say. That's Python, okay? It um, stops your communication. It squeezes you with shame. It squeezes out your ability to um, be productive and successful. And Python is actually under Jezebel as well. So, so Jezebel's up here. She's the main, and then all these ones that are underneath. Does that make sense? Okay, so, um, so all of those things affect parenting, uh, marriage, finances, and then, of course, ministry, your job, basically, everything that you do. If we submit to the dark side. <laughs> so, and we don't know that we're doing it because sometimes we kind of have an over-elevated opinion of ourselves <laughs> or we just really stink at self-awareness. That's the word I was looking for earlier, self-awareness. So last week uh, we talked about how did this become active in my life. We talked about generational sin. So, uh, a few examples of um, the generational sin this is the thing. Go listen to last week if you want me to prove it. Um, a few examples are you or someone that you love in your family lineage um, being a part of the Freemasons. Um, anyone in your family line um, having an abortion, murder, slave ownership, being a slave, sexual sin of any kind. I mean, that's just to name a few. There's actually more. Um, there are certain things that your ancestors did that cursed your family line and it ends up passing down into your life. You don't know why it's there, but it's there, and it's a generational thing. So um, slave, slavery would be because of um, you're trapped. You know, you're in a situation, you're trapped, you're owned by someone else, you're, you, you're felt lesser, and so bitterness and all those things can rise up. And then um, slave ownership, when you own slaves, it's that, um, that prideful, I, you know, so anyone in the family, anyway. So if you're like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. My, you know, grandfather did this, this, and this, or whatever, then you're going to have to, we're going to actually pray a prayer today, but you're probably, you may want to seek out some RTF ministry and to get some deeper things. So trauma is another way that Jezebel can be a part of your life because of the shame that happens when trauma happens. The enemy wants to set up a, a, a time in your life when you experience something, especially at a young age, like um, any type of molestation or abuse or anything like that at a very young age so that you will feel bad about yourself. Shame is the belief that something's wrong with me. I'm different. I'm broken somehow. There's something messed up about who I am. And then shame leads to fear, which leads to control, which leads to partnering with Jezebel. And you don't, it, and it's, you did, 
it's not your fault that you did because you didn't know what to do. It was not your fault that you were ever abused. But what I'm saying is, and there is healing for it absolutely healing for it. But I'm just saying, if you're looking for, how did I let this in? I don't know what happened. Okay, here's what happened. You maybe had some trauma in your life. There is a message that I taught back in November on shame, about shame, fear, and control. And so if there is a past trauma in your life, you know that you've experienced some sort of abuse or sexual abuse or whatever, and you want to get healing from that, please see Michelle Preble or go to the um, podcast and listen to the message about shame first, and then go get some healing. So what we're going to cover today are the ways that we open the door and become active in our life is through legalism and lawlessness. Because remember how I said that Jezebel and Ahab, Jezebel was very legalistic, Ahab was very lawless. And um, then we're um, sin and modern day Baal worship, what I call modern day Baal worship, because Jezebel and Ahab worshipped Baal. And we like to think of, you know, like the Greek gods and goddesses and and Baal, you know, all that stuff is just some silly folk tale. And gosh, I wish they would have known better than to serve these stupid deities that really didn't do anything. And it wasn't that big a deal. Well, I would like to propose that these people weren't stupid and they did know better and that there really was power that they were finding in this worship. This idol worship, this, these false gods were actually um, little g gods. They really were demons. They really are real. It really is a thing. It's not this folk tale of, oh, Zeus, he's just so silly, and that was so crazy that they worshipped him and Aphrodite. No, y'all, it was a thing. They're not stupid. If, if, if we told them what we worship today, they would think we were crazy. If we told them that you were going to spend your enti- that teens were going to spend their entire day staring at a hand device that moved, those people back then would be like, "That's ridiculous. Who would do that?" Right? It's just you weren't there. You don't know. <laughs> it's it's a thing. It really was. They actually received some sort of spiritual encounter when they worshipped these things, and it was a it was a dark spiritual encounter that they had. Okay, so. We're going to look at, um, oh, yes, we're going to talk about Baal. So, back in the book of 1 Kings, um, it talks about how Jezebel and Ahab worshipped Baal. And Baal was the god of fertility, of fruitfulness, of thunder, of the weather. And um, he actually had like a wife or a partner, and her name was... Oh, I have it in my PowerPoint. I forget. Starts with an A. Anyway, Asherah was her name. And um, so part of worshiping Baal included sexual sacrifices and even sacrificing your firstborn. And what I mean by sexual sacrifices is they would actually have sex and like have orgies and have these sexual things. And this was a worship to their God. And they believed that if they did these things, that their God would respond um, with rain and with fruitfulness in their life. And um, so uh, they believed that Baal was a way to get fast and easy results in fruitfulness. And their entire religion was based on self-gratification, pleasure, and indulging. So does that sound familiar? So we're going to talk about Elijah Elijah was, yes, buddy. (laughs) We're going to talk about um, Elijah and how he confronted Baal worship in um, Israel back when um, Jezebel and Ahab were on the throne. And um, so they believed that Baal was going to bring the rain. And Elijah's all like, guys, Baal does not bring the rain. Yahweh brings the rain. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brings the rain. You are crazy people, and it's crazy. And he was running for his life because, by the way, Jezebel had, like, I don't know, hundreds of prophets of God killed, and they were all running for their life, hiding in a cave. A hundred of them were, and Elijah was one of them. So Elijah boldly, man, if I had the boldness of Elijah, he prophesies a drought onto that place, and he's like, listen, No rain is going to come until I say it's going to come. And I remember thinking, 
I remember thinking, what is, why, why would he do that? Like, what is wrong with you, Elijah? Why would you prophesy a drought? That's like, did anybody else question Elijah's insanity when you read that book, when you read 1 Kings? I was like, why, I, that's, hmm, I don't get it. But now I get it, because I didn't realize that, that they were worshiping Baal, and they believed that Baal brought the rain. And Elijah was like, watch me, it's not going to rain, because uh, I'm going to say it's not, because my God, Yahweh, is the one who brings the rain. So now he doesn't seem so crazy. So, um, so anyway, there was three years without any rain. And we're going to talk about the episode on Mount Carmel, or Carmel, Carmel. So here's what Elijah did, is he said, um, he, the Lord told him to do this. He said, and I, I actually will come up here for this. So he said, go to the top of Mount Carmel and challenge the prophets of Baal and Asherah to come and tell them to get their animal to sacrifice. They can pick it. You're going to bring it up to the top, and you're going to sacrifice your animal, and you're going to ask your God, Baal, to bring the fire down onto your offering, and we'll see. And then he's like, and here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick my animal, and I'm going to bring it over here to this sacrifice, and we're going to see if my God brings the fire, right? So, um, so they did that, and I don't know why they did that. I guess they thought because they weren't going to lose. Spoiler alert, they did. But, so... They come up, and there's like all these hundreds of prophets of Baal and Asherah, and they're doing their little ritual and their sacrifice, and they've killed the thing, and they're praying to their Baal, and, oh, bring the fire down on this, oh, you know. And now here's the other thing, is that if there was not, if there hadn't ever been supernatural encounters before, they wouldn't be doing this right here. So this goes to back up, that Baal really is real, okay? There really is a demon. There really is some power not, not anywhere near the power of Yahweh. But so anyway, so they're praying and they're doing their little dance and they're Yahweh, I don't, I, or whatever their thing. And <laughs> they're worshiping and um, trying to bring the rain, calling down or the fire from God and they're calling out. So that doesn't work. So they get desperate and they get frustrated. And you know what they start doing? This is where I go. There is a spirit of Baal that is coming against our generation. They begin to cut themselves. They begin to cut themselves to bring blood, because they believed that bringing the blood to the surface, that the self-harm would be pleasing to this God, and that it would bring the rain. Remember how I said they, they, there were other acts of killing their firstborn, hello, abortion. Um, all of these things that was, they would do to worship this Baal. So they're cutting themselves, and they're bringing blood forth, and they're thinking that the blood is going to be a good enough sacrifice for their God, Baal, to bring the fire down. And it never happens. And they're just left frustrated. Like, what? What just happened? Okay, so Elijah's like, my turn. So he comes over, and he's like, hey, guys, you know what else you're going to do is I know there's a drought and everything, but go ahead and get some water. And we're going to pour some water on it, too, because I'm going to soak it in water so that you guys know that this guy, that, that my God is God. We're going to make it wet so that you won't be like, oh, well, it's just a little brush fire. I mean, there's a drought, like, you know, a tumbleweed could have caught on fire. You know, so he makes it wet. So he takes water that they didn't even really have. He soaks it. I think he does it twice. Soaks it. And then he prays, just Elijah. He prays to the Lord to bring down the fire. And guess what happens? Woo! It comes down. And then what happens? Woo! So guess what Elijah does? He does a little happy dance, and then he goes and kills all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He slaughters them, 450, slaughters them, kills them. It's heavy. We're not going to do that today. Just want you to know there's going to be no, no slaughtering happening in the natural in the spirit, we're going to be slaying, okay? All right, so, so that's basically what happens. So, wait, I didn't move. So we are going to talk about what would Baal worship look like today, okay? So, um, and this is not an all-encompassing list. 
I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to your heart. I'm just going to mention like three different ways that we can kind of open the door that we can worship Baal and think we're worshiping the right God, right? Because I am sure that all of those people and even Jezebel, if she would have, no, that's actually not true. She actually knew that God was God. But anyway, <laughs> um, but I'm going to assume that all of us, if we, are do, if we have a behavior or an attitude or a heart posture that is not honoring God, we don't want to have it, right? If we are serving Baal and we don't know we're serving Baal, we don't want it. Are we all in agreement with that? Okay, so we're just going to talk about that today. We're just going to, we're just going to put it all out there. We're going to be like, ooh, <gasps> I didn't know that was Baal worship. Okay, so I, I want to correct my heart. I want to posture my heart in a way that, that is honoring to God. So... Here's the thing. Remember that Jezebel's greatest tool is deception. And so you probably don't know that you're operating in it. You probably don't realize that you might be worshiping Baal or that you've invited this thing into your life. And so allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. And listen, guys, ask somebody. Ask somebody that you trust, not somebody that's going to like pat you on the back and be like, no, you're amazing. You don't ever act controlling with me or you're never like that. <laughs> Ask somebody that's going to be honest with you that is, is far along in the Lord and who you trust, okay? All right. Um, so the first, we're kind of going to do this like, you know how we go good, better, best. We're going to do like, Bad, worse, and worser. <laughs> worse, worstest, worser, worsest. <laughs> we're going to start with like, eh, you know, oh, yeah, and then we're going to get worse. Okay. There's a progression is what I'm trying to say. Oh. Okay, so the first modern-day Baal worship would be the need for easy do you remember how when they worshipped, what they wanted was an easy fix? They wanted, um, they wanted life that was more fruitful, and it was more difficult to serve Yahweh. It was easier to serve Baal because I get to do all these pleasurable things, and he brings the rain, or so I thought. And so modern-day Baal worship is, I want it faster, better, easier, and now, which is kind of a problem these days, which we are all guilty of. Instant gratification, buy now, pay later. I don't tell myself no. We want riches without the hard work, sacrifice, or a budget. We just want it to happen. Oh, one of, sorry. <laughs> one of these days, you know, I'm going to hit the lotto. Or one of these days when my ship comes in, that's when I'm going to be on a budget. When I have enough money to budget, that's when I'll budget. Or... Um, whatever it is. Um, we want an anointed ministry without a desert experience, without authority that brings correction, without the process of inner healing, or without character building. We just want to arrive. I just want to show up. I want to lead because I'm good at it, and I don't want to have to fix me. I don't want to have to grow. I don't want to do personal growth because that's annoying. Just, this is just how I am. You're just going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry that I offend you in the way that I'm just kind of boisterous. So, oh, well, too bad, right? So, and this is, this is the strange phenomenon that happens, is that when we live our life this way, with we actually this need for easy actually leaves us stressed out burned out and broke and it is a it's a problem so and i'm going to compare that i just popped this in here i, I want to compare that to oops where'd it go did i die i did oh Hold on. Oh, there we go. All the twitchers can be done. Sorry, guys.
There we go. So true, what true rest in the, in the Lord looks like, because God, um, Jesus did promise an easy yoke and a light burden, correct? Um, so we've got to have a Sabbath. We need to take care of our body, get the right amount of sleep, nutrients, and exercise, which I don't do, the exercise thing. Um, <laughs> we've got to trust the process and our leaders. We've got to be proactive with our time and money. We've got to tell people and myself no. You know, do you see how that compares, like how that's different than that? It's, it's the difference between the passive approach and the proactive approach. Uh, to life, because when we have that super passive approach, and that super, I need it to be easy, I need it to be just like, I just don't want to have to do anything, I just want it to happen, that is a form of Baal worship, and it, it's, it's not full-blown sin, or anything like that, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that when we posture our heart in that attitude, you really do open yourself up to chaos, it's chaotic to live that way, and, and that's that, that chaos is where Jezebel goes, ooh, when you're in chaos, you can get frustrated, and when you can get frustrated, you can get bitter, and when you can get bitter, you can get controlling, and boom, I'm in there. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it looks for all these different things that we can do to open that door, because technically Jezebel doesn't really have, she has to have legal right. It, all of the demonic forces has to have a legal right to affect us. We are, we are cleansed and healed by the blood of Christ, but there are certain things that give legal right for these things to come after us, and one of them is the generational sin, and the other one is we open the door through our own sin. So, here's what we're going to do, is remember how we had the two, Romans 12, 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So let's put your behavior on the altar and let's compare it. Will it bring frustration? Does it bring frustration? Does it, bring, does it look like Baal worship? Is it going to bring the fire? Or is it going to bring fire? Is it a holy and pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord? Does that make sense? That's what I want us to do today when we're talking about all these things is, is we're going to say, is it going to stand the test that Elijah had? Is it going to bring fire or frustration? Because I'm telling you, those Baal people, they were frustrated and then they died. So that's not good. Okay. So here is the next way that we can... Um, Worship Baal, you know, you know, I'm putting like worship Baal. The way that we can um, open these doors is when we worship our freedom. And what I mean, because we are, you know, we're a very charismatic church. We love our freedom. We are, um, we hate legalism, right? We're like, oh, there's so much freedom in the Lord. And so what we do is we begin to actually hold our freedom on the idol, and we begin to worship freedom. And here's what I mean. I'm going to define it for you so you clearly know what I'm saying. One definition of freedom is that we forfeit our responsibility to participate in anything that looks legalistic. For example, disciplining myself to spend time in the Word every day. So many times we throw out good disciplines and we're like, oh, that just feels so restrictive. It just feels so legalistic. God is love and he's free-flowing and I don't have to do that because he's going to love me anyway. And it's all great. But when we do that, we get this lazy, um, it's idol worship. It really is because we, we're worshiping the freedom to be able to be passive. Okay, so the other, um, the other right is, um, or the other way that we worship our freedom is through exercising our right to participate in the gray areas. For example, what does the Bible really say about drinking? You know, we have this like, um, this like, oh, there's this freedom and I'm going to exercise that freedom and I'm going to do it every day, you know, and I'm like, well, you know what? <laughs> if you do it every day, it's called a habit. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> and so, um, and then we quote this, we quote Galatians 5.1, and we say, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. 
And you say, see, Shelley, I told you so. Don't tie me down as a slave to the law. That's legalism, and I will not submit. But here's the thing, is that maybe you should keep reading Galatians 5. <laughs> because on down in Galatians, it says... Um, so, okay, so Paul says, don't be a slave to the law or to sin. And here's how you know if you're a slave to either. So do some self-inventory. Later on in Galatians, in 5, 16 and 18, it sa- Paul is saying, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. And then it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, and jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is some heavy stuff. And that's all. And then it says, Yes. Then, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So this is basically what Paul is saying. He is saying, um, he's saying, listen, I don't want you to be a slave either way, okay? I don't want you to be a slave to sin, I also don't want you to be a slave to the law. And here's how you're going to know if you're a slave to your flesh. You're going to know because this, um, because this is going to be your fruit that you're bearing in your life. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, all of those things. And then he says, and here's how you're going to know if you're being led by the Spirit. You have joy in your life, peace in your life patience in your life, kindness. And so that is, the question is, is do your freedoms really bring freedom? Are they really bringing freedom to your life? Are they bringing you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or are they causing you to stumble on occasion or more than an occasion? Do they bring life? Are your freedoms bringing you life? Are they beneficial? Do they produce fruit? Are they moving you towards your goal or further away from your goal? So that is the question you need to ask yourself when you are exercising these freedoms. Is it moving you towards your goal or further away from it? Got it? Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm not going to stay stuck here. So when you put it on the altar, again, it does it bring (laughs) the fire of God. Or does it bring frustration to your life and ultimately death? And that's what and that's what you need to decide. And so um, then here is another modern day Baal worship um, sin. So we're just going to touch on a few sins that really open the door to Jezebel, and one of them is witchcraft. And um, witchcraft can be defined as just the search in, okay, witchcraft, and I'm sorry, I'm going to step on your horoscope toes right now, but it is. And so there are lots of different things in our life that open the door to witchcraft. And, um, but witchcraft is basically, it's a search for supernatural things, okay? We were created to be supernatural beings. We were created for crazy, awesome, supernatural encounters. So we have the craving anyway. It becomes witchcraft when it becomes anything that's unholy or not of God, okay? So, um, so you just got to watch that, and you have to ask the Lord, am I opening the door to witchcraft when I watch this show? Like, really? I'm, really, am I? You've got to decide that. And so, um, 
another way, um, thing that can open the door to Jezebel being a part of your life, or technically Jezebel will talk you into committing adultery, and then she'll use it to sabotage you even more. So adultery is another one of them, because again, many times um, the person who commits adultery feels trapped in a marriage that's hopeless. And so they go someplace else thinking that they're going to find, it's Baal worship, I'm going to go someplace else. Instead of serving Yahweh, I'm going to go someplace else and see if I can find love and joy and peace over here and not right here. Do you see what I'm saying? So anyway, and, and that opens the door to just any type of sexual sin actually at all. Any type of sexual sin opens the door for Jezebel. She is like, yes, she is all over that. She loves it when we do that. She loves it, loves it, loves it. Because then we've opened the door. We've welcomed her in. We're sitting her in our living room. We're like, come on in, Jezebel. Come sit on my couch and wreak havoc on my life and my family. Come on in. I love it. And that's literally what we do. We just invite her on in. Pornography is another way that we allow Jezebel to come into our life. Now, here's the thing. Again, Jezebel led you into it, and she wants to keep you there. Okay? So, and the thing with pornography is that there's so much shame attached to pornography. Nobody ever, nobody wants to get free by going to their neighbor and saying, hey, listen, I got to struggle with pornography, and um, I really need you to help me out. Nobody wants to say that. Who wants to say that? Nobody, it's like embarrassing. There's so much shame that's attached to a pornography addiction that we just keep it in the dark, and we keep it hidden, and it's all dark, and the light's off, and nobody knows, and it's my little secret, and here's the thing is that once I get free from it, then I will talk about it. But while it's still a problem, I'm going to keep it in the dark. Now, let me tell you something. When something is kept in the dark, it has power over you. It is only when we bring it to the light that God's light can penetrate. When we bring it out of the darkness and into the light, that's why the word talks about confessing your sin. You don't, you don't need an extra step to get forgiven by God. The reason he says confess it is because you break the shame off of it. You get it out of the darkness and into the light, and you go to a safe person, and you say, hey, listen, here's my struggle. Here's what's happening. I am and and you got to fight the shame, and you got to go, I want this thing that's kept in this darkness, and I want to bring it into the light because I have to because it's killing me. It is killing me. You guys, if you continue in this and you allow that shame to wrap you up and to, and to just squeeze you with that python demon and all those things, then you are letting that thing into your life to wreak havoc. And it's, it stinks. I was going to say something else. It stinks. <laughs> so don't do it. Tell somebody, get some help, get it out of the dark, get it into the light. Um, sex outside of the marriage covenant. Okay. So we um, we're going to talk about that, like, actually more in detail. So any, any, any type of sex outside marriage is it opens the door for um, Jezebel to come in and wreak havoc. Um, so Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Yes, and doesn't that make sense, which that's what Elijah did, is he put to death <laughs> all those things um, of idolatry, because that's what that was. The Baal worship was idolatry. So let's talk about this. Whoa. Here's why this is a big deal to God. I can go into an entire teaching, and actually Jesse Getsy has an amazing purity teaching on why it's important that sex is saved from marriage, but I'm going to give you the most simple reason why. Because sex outside of marriage, outside of the covenant of marriage, is Baal worship. We learned that, remember? Sex outside of marriage is Baal worship. It is a, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's an act of worship unto Baal. It has been for years. Sex inside the covenant of, covenant of marriage is worship to God. Easiest, simplest way to put it. Outside, it's worship to Baal. Inside, it's worship to God. It really is. It really is. You're connected spirit, soul, and body to your mate when you are in a covenant of marriage. And God created it for marriage, and he created it as a wonderful and fun thing. And, of course, anything that God creates, the enemy takes and he tries to twist, and, um, which he did. And the enemy knew that sex was worship, 
and he used sex as a way to worship through Baal. And um, so, but here, again, here's what you do when you do that. You open the door. And, and I'm not trying to scare you. This is like really the real, this is actually what happens when you do that. You open the door for Jezebel. You come on in. Come on in. Uh, you can have my family. It's cool. No big deal. You can just wreak havoc on me. You can create chaos in my life. Come sit on my couch and let's dine together because I think you're awesome. You know, that is just what happens. And listen, God, um, God is a loving father, okay? He doesn't tell you to not have sex outside of marriage because, uh, like, he's just mean. It's literally like, he's like, hey, guys, listen, I put this spiritual principle in place where sex is worship. So here's the thing. If you keep it inside the covenant of marriage, it's amazing. It's wonderful. All blessings will come from God. If you do it outside of the covenant of marriage, you're inviting demons to just come hang out with you. So that's the thing. That's literally what God is saying. He's not mean about it. He's not sad about it. It, I mean, he is sad about it. But it's not this controlling thing. He's just saying, hey, I I put this spiritual principle in place. Now just follow it for me because I promise you it's going to help you in the long run. Okay? So... And we like to claim grace in this area. We like to say, no big deal, God will forgive me, and yes, he will. But again, he will forgive you. He does, he loves you, he forgives you, but, you know, you still have the open door. And this is not just about you. It's not just about you. It affects your destiny, your marriage, or your future marriage, your children, and your church. If you open up to partner with Jezebel, I'm telling you right now, remember how we talked about generational sin and generational curses? Um, It affects your kids. You are opening the door for this spirit to affect them. And it stinks. And it's, it's a tragedy, but it's easily fixable, and we're going to fix it today. Amen. Amen. So, and it affects your church. I'm telling you, you guys, you might think that what you're doing, like, oh, I've got this little secret thing on the side that I do, or any one of these things that I talked about today. I mean, some of us may not be in these full-blown, like, sexual sin. That's fine. But if you go back to the other stuff that we talked about, about um, worshiping our freedom, or the part about, you know, I need easy in my life, we think it doesn't affect us, and it does. Or we think it doesn't affect other people. Well, what I do with my life is no big deal. Well, listen, let me tell you something. When you gave your heart to the Lord, you, it's not about you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, it's, it is, but it's not. When we give our heart to the Lord, because sometimes, sometimes a gospel is presented, and I've been guilty of it before, is, hey, come to Jesus, and he's just going to fix you. And you can just stop right there, and you can live your happy little life, and go on with your, you can have your freedom, and you can live, and you can just be cool. But let me tell you something, that's not the full gospel, okay? Yes, you can go to Jesus and you can get freedom and you can get freed from all these tragic things that have happened from you. There's healing there, there's, there's wonderful things, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just about you. There are good works that God planned for you. There really is a destiny that you have and there really are people who are waiting for you to stand up and rise up and be the person that God's created you to be. They're waiting for you. There's a dying world out there. Your salvation is not just about you. It is about you, but it's not just about you. It's about your generations. It's about your children. It's about saying, thus far and no more, I'm going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm going to say, every generation and all your stupid sins that were back there and all that stuff, and I'm going to go, no, it stops right here. I don't let it go any further. I'm going to stand right here, and I'm going to claim it. I'm going to break it. I'm going to say, no, all those nasty things that people did in my past and all that stuff that's coming down on me, I'm going to say, no. I will not pass this down to my children. My children will walk in freedom. They will have the best chance at making it in their life. And they're not just going to be those passive Christians that live this good life. They are actually going to take their life and they're going to pour it out onto the Lord. They are going to, and onto his people and his city. That it is, it is about, it's not about us. Amen. Amen. I think I need some water now. Okay, so um, <laughs> so I already said this in my little hyped up thing. Okay, generational blessing and cursings are active. Okay, so God knows how we're made. 
And it sounds funny, but literally, the reason why generational cursing and, and blessing, it's more about the blessing. God put the blessings in effect. Hey, the blessings last longer. What is it, 100 generations? I will bless your thousand generations. If you do right by me, I will bless a thousand generations. If you sin, it's like, what, the fourth? It's the fourth generation that it gets passed down. So, listen, God is like, do it for the children, you know? Sometimes God knows that we're so passive about our stuff that we're like, eh, I mean, it's probably kind of important that I do that, but oh well. But the Lord is saying, listen, do it for your children. Like, get free for your children. Do you love your children enough to get free yourself so that you're not passing this crap down to them so that they don't have to go through what you went through? Yes. Um, Okay, so we want to we want to put it to death because we already know um, we already know that sin brings destruction to our life, which is what that said. It's just destruction, and so we want to put it to death, like it said in Colossians three five. Slaughter the thing, these things just as Elijah did to the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And so there was actually a word of knowledge that Tina had today that when we pray today and when we break off this thing, because we are going to pray. Oh, my goodness, it's 12, 12. I'm so sorry. Um, when we pray that there is going to be supernatural deliverance for all these things. I really, truly believe that, listen, even if it's something as menial as like smoking and you're like it, any addiction, anything like that, if you went free from it, I truly believe that we're going to have supernatural deliverance today of, um, of all of those things, even pornography, all those things. So um, I'm just going to skip that because we've actually had a teaching about it. Go back and listen to Tom's teaching about um, legalism and lawlessness. Is that what it was called? Freedom versus lawlessness. Go listen to that podcast. I was just going to remind you of it. So here's, are you guys ready to get rid of it? Okay. In the name of Jesus, I approach the Father in the courts of heaven. I confess my sins and the sins of my ancestors for cooperating in any way with the schemes and agenda of Jezebel. According to Ecclesiastes 4.12, I bind together with the threefold cord all evil spirits which are part of the kingdom of Jezebel. I call out the spirits of treachery, illness, false teaching and misleading, lewdness, corruption, slaughter, suicide, coveting, greed, destitution, poverty, divination, and the occult. You are bound together to await the wrath of God. This includes Ahab, Baal, Moloch, Lust, Leviathan, Python, Witchcraft, Mammon, and Lucifer. Despite my unworthy flesh, I confront you because of the spirit who dwells in me. I resist and, and expel you from every province of my spirit, soul, and body. I confront you in all your identities and actions. Your disguises and trickery have been revealed. You have no authority over my family lineage going all the way back to Adam and from this moment forward. I release myself by the resurrected power of Christ from the hooks of Jezebel that have caused me to hurt others. Spirit of Jezebel and all your cohorts, leave me now in the name of Jesus. I receive freedom, healing, peace, comfort, and restoration from my Father in Jesus. Yes, in heaven. Amen. Amen. All right. So it says in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. It is because of what Jesus did on the cross that we have the power to expel this from our life in the first place. So we are going to do communion in remembrance of what he did and the power 
that, that he gave to us when he died on the cross and then rose again and gave us the precious Holy Spirit. So we are going to take the bread just as Jesus did. And this bread represents his body that was broken for us. And I truly believe, listen, you guys, I truly believe that as we break the spirit and as we take communion today, that we are going to receive healing in our bodies. I believe that we are going to receive deliverance from all those things that have plagued us, deliverance from pornography, deliverance from um, smoking, deliverance from alcoholism, all those things that that desire is for that is going to be gone and broken in the name of Jesus. We're going to have headaches healed, necks healed, bodies healed. It's going to happen. Okay. I believe it. Believe it by faith and Jesus name so we're going to take the bread that represents the body just take and eat Woo. Woo. yes all right now hold up your cup that represents the blood of Christ the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins of everything that we've ever done right now when we take this blood listen shame is going to leave you when you drink this cup the shame that was attached to all that old sin, it is going to leave in the name of Jesus. I believe it with my whole heart. We receive true forgiveness of sins as we take this and we remember what Christ did for us. We're going to receive the forgiveness. We're going to receive the, the cleansing that Jesus gave us and the release of the shame in Jesus' name. Take and drink. Whew. All right, let's not shuffle our cups yet. Just kind of hang on. We're just going to receive the healing and what God is doing in us. Thank you, Lord. Woo, thank you, Lord. All right, I want you to take the paper again. We're going to read these declarations. Because now that we've just gotten rid of something, we're going to fill ourselves up. Do you see that everybody have the declarations? Hmm? Does anyone need one? If they have the prayer, they have the declarations covered. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with the first one. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me deeply and intimately and have great plans for my life. Thank you that I know your voice and you are my shepherd. Thank you that I am a son or daughter of the King of Kings and I am saved by grace. Thank you that I am born of incorruptible seed and I am part of the royal priesthood. Thank you that I am forgiven all my sins and redeemed by the blood. Thank you that I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you that I am an ambassador of Christ and a member of a chosen generation. Thank you that I am the apple of my Father's eye, and I am being changed into his image. Thank you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you that I am firmly rooted, built up, and established in the faith. Thank you that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you that you are placing your anointing upon me. Thank you that this anointing on my life repels every individual with a diabolical assignment. Let this anointing flow uncontaminated and unhindered upon my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo! All right. Give us a shout. If you believe that God has done something in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your body, in Jesus' name. All right, everybody stand up. Lord, we just, I just thank you for your people. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for this, the privilege. Who? Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you've just shown us the schemes of the enemy and that we will not cooperate any longer. I thank you, God, that you want to do a work so great in this place, in this area, in this region, in our family, and in our lives that that you are willing to, to do this for us, God. And I thank you, God, that you are breaking free, breaking us free in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just receive what you've done today. We receive it in Jesus' name.